0: Part Two, Chapter Five, Section Seventy Four of the Life of Jesus, critically examined by David Friedrich Strauss, translated by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part Two, History of the Public Life of Jesus, Chapter Five, The Disciples of Jesus, Section Seventy Four, The Twelve Considered Individually, The Three or Four Most Confidential Disciples of Jesus. We have in the new testament four catalogues of the apostles one in each of the synoptical gospels and one in the acts matthew chapter 10 verses 2 through 4 mark chapter 3 verses 6 through 10 luke chapter 6 verses 14 through 16 acts chapter 1 verse 13 each of these four lists may be divided into three quaternions in each corresponding quaternion, the first member is the same, and in the last, the concluding member also. If we accept Acts chapter one verse thirteen, where he is absent, but the intermediate members are differently arranged, and in the concluding quaternions there is a difference of names or of persons. At the head of the first quaternion in all the catalogues, and in Matthew with the prefix protos. The first stands Simon Peter, the son of Jonas, Matthew chapter sixteen verse seventeen, according to the fourth gospel of Bethsaida, chapter one verse forty-five, according to the synoptists resident in Capernaum, Matthew chapter eight verse fourteen and parallel passages. We hear an echo of the old polemical dispute when Protestant expositors ascribe this position to mere chance, an assumption which is opposed by the fact that all four of the catalogues agree in giving the precedence to Peter, though they differ in other points of arrangement, or when those expositors allege, in explanation, that Peter was first called, which, according to the fourth gospel, was not the case that this invariable priority is indicative of a certain preeminence of peter among the twelve is evident from the part he plays elsewhere in the evangelical history ardent by nature he is always beforehand with the rest of the apostles whether in speech matthew chapter fifteen verse fifteen chapter sixteen verses sixteen and twenty-two chapter seventeen verse four chapter eighteen verse twenty-one Chapter twenty six, verse thirty three, John, chapter six, verse sixty eight, or in action, Matthew, chapter fourteen, verse twenty eight, chapter twenty six, verse fifty eight, John, chapter twenty eight, verse sixteen, and if it is not seldom the case that the speech and action are faulty, and that his prompt courage quickly evaporates, as his denial shows, yet he is according to the synoptical statement the first who expresses a decided conviction of the messiahship of jesus matthew chapter sixteen verse sixteen and parallel passages it is true that of the eulogies and prerogatives bestowed on him on that occasion that which is implied in his surname is the only one that remains particularly his for the authority to bind and to loose that is to forbid and to permit in the newly founded messianic kingdom is soon after extended to all the apostles chapter eighteen verse eighteen yet more decidedly does this preeminence of peter among the original apostles appear in the acts and in the epistles of paul next to peter the catalogue of the first and third gospels places his brother andrew AND THAT OF THE SECOND GOSPEL AND THE ACTS, JAMES, AND AFTER HIM, JOHN. THE FIRST AND THIRD EVANGELISTS ARE evidently GUIDED BY THE PROPRIETY OF UNITING THE COUPLES OF BRETHREN, MARK AND THE AUTHOR OF THE ACTS, BY THAT OF PREFERRING THE TWO APOSTLES NEXT IN DISTINCTION TO PETER TO THE LESS CONSPICUOUS ANDREW, WHOM THEY ACCORDINGLY PUT LAST IN THE quaternion. We have already considered the manner in which these four apostles are signalized in the christian legend by a special history of their vocation they appear together in other passages of mark first chapter one verse twenty nine where jesus in company with the sons of zebedee enters the house of simon and andrew as however the other evangelists only mention peter on this occasion mark may have added the other names inferentially concluding that the four fishermen so recently called would not be apart from jesus and that andrew had a share in his brother's house a thing in itself probable again mark chapter thirteen verse three our four apostles concur in asking jesus privately concerning the time of the destruction of the temple and of his second advent but the parallel passages in the other gospels do not thus particularize any of the disciples. Matthew says, The disciples came to him privately. Chapter 24, verse 3. Hence it is probable that Mark's limitation is an erroneous one. Possibly the words kat ideon being used in the document to which he referred to denote the separation of the twelve from the multitude appeared to him from association an introductory form of which there are other examples matthew chapter seventeen verse one mark chapter nine verse two to a private conference of jesus with peter james and john to whom he might add andrew on account of the fraternity luke on the other hand in his account of the miraculous draught of fishes and the vocation of the fishermen chapter 5 verse 10 omits andrew though he is included in the corresponding narratives probably because he does not elsewhere appear as one of the select apostles for except on the occasions already noticed he is only mentioned by john chapter 6 verse 9 chapter 12 verse 22 and that in no very important connection the two sons of zebedee are the only disciples whose distinction rivals that of peter like him they evince an ardent and somewhat rash zeal luke chapter nine verse fifty four once john is named alone mark chapter nine verse thirty eight luke chapter nine verse forty nine and it was to this disposition apparently that they owed the surname sons of thunder Mark chapter 3 verse 17. Conferred on them by Jesus. So high did they stand among the twelve, that either they Mark chapter 11 verse 35 and following, or their mother for them Matthew chapter 20 verse 20 and following, thought they might claim the first place in the Messiah's kingdom. It is worthy of notice that not only in the four catalogues but elsewhere when the two brothers are named as in Matthew chapter 4 verse 21 chapter 17 verse 1 mark chapter 1 verses 19 and 29 chapter 5 verse 37 chapter 9 verse 2 chapter 10 verse 35 chapter 13 verse 3 chapter 14 verse 33 luke chapter 5 verse 10 and chapter 9 verse 54 With the exception of Luke chapter 8 verse 51 and chapter 9 verse 28, James is always mentioned first, and John is appended to him as his brother. This is surprising, because while we know nothing remarkable of James, John is memorable as the favourite disciple of Jesus. Hence, it is supposed that this precedence cannot possibly denote a superiority of James to John, and an explanation has been sought in his seniority. Nevertheless, it remains a doubt whether so constant a precedence does not intimate a preeminence on the part of James. At least, if, in the apprehension of the synoptists, John had been as decidedly preferred as he is represented to have been in the fourth gospel, we are inclined to think that they would have named him before his brother James, even allowing him to be the younger. This leads us to a difference between the first three evangelists and the fourth, which requires a closer examination. In the synoptical gospels, as we have observed, Peter, James, and John form the select circle of disciples whom Jesus admits to certain scenes, which the rest of the twelve were not spiritually mature enough to comprehend, as the transfiguration, the conflict in Gethsemane, and according to Mark, chapter five, verse thirty seven, the raising of the daughter of Jairus. After the death of Jesus also, as james peter and john appear as the pillars of the church galatians chapter 2 verse 9 this james however is not the son of zebedee who had been early put to death acts chapter 12 verse 2 but james the brother of the lord galatians chapter 1 verse 19 who even in the first apostolic council appears to have possessed a predominant authority and whom many hold to be the second James of the apostolic catalogue given in Acts chapter 1. It is observable from the beginning of the Acts that James the son of Zebedee is eclipsed by Peter and John. As then, this James the elder was not enough distinguished or even known in the primitive church for his early martyrdom to have drawn much luster on his name. Tradition had no inducement, from subsequent events, to reflect an unhistorical splendor on his relation to Jesus. There is, therefore, no reason to doubt the statement as to the prominent position held by James in conjunction with Peter and John among the twelve apostles. So much the more must it excite surprise to find, in the fourth gospel, the triumvirate almost converted into a monarchy, James, like another Lepidus, is wholly cast out, while Peter and John are in the position of Antony and Octavius, the latter having nearly stripped his rival of all pretensions to an equal rank with himself, to say nothing of a higher. James is not even named in the fourth gospel, only in the appendix. Chapter 21, verse 2. Is there any mention of the sons of Zebedee? while several narratives of the vocations of different apostles are given apparently including that of john himself no james appears in them neither is there any speech of his as of many other apostles throughout this gospel quite differently does the fourth evangelist treat peter he makes him one of the first who enter the society of jesus and gives him a prominent importance not less often than the synoptists he does not conceal that jesus bestowed on him an honourable surname chapter one verse forty two he puts in his mouth chapter six verse sixty eight and following a confession which seems but a new version of the celebrated one in matthew chapter sixteen verse sixteen according to him peter once throws himself into the sea that he may more quickly reach jesus chapter twenty one verse seven at the last supper and in the garden of gethsemane he makes peter more active than even the synoptists represent him chapter thirteen verse six and following chapter eighteen verse ten and following he accords him the honor of following jesus into the high priest's palace chapter eighteen verse fifteen and of being one of the first to visit the grave of Jesus after the resurrection. Chapter 20, verse 3 and following. Nay, he even details a special conversation between the risen Jesus and Peter. Chapter 21, verse 15 and following. But these advantages of Peter are, in the fourth gospel, invalidated in a peculiar manner, and put into the shade in favor of John the synoptists tell us that peter and john were called to the apostleship in the same way and the former somewhat before the latter the fourth evangelist prefers associating andrew with the nameless disciple who is taken for john and makes peter come to him through the instrumentality of his brother he also admits the honourable interpretation of the surname peter and the panegyric on peter's confession but this he does in common with Mark and Luke, while the speeches and the action attributed in the fourth gospel to Peter during the Last Supper and in the Garden are to be classed as only so many mistakes. The more we approach the catastrophe, the more marked is the subordination of Peter to John. At the Last Supper, indeed, Peter is particularly anxious for the discovery of the traitor he cannot however apply immediately to jesus chapter thirteen verse twenty three and following but is obliged to make john who was leaning on jesus's bosom his medium of communication while according to the synoptists peter alone followed jesus into the palace of the high priest according to the fourth evangelist john accompanied him and under such circumstances that without him peter could not have entered john as one known to the high priest having to obtain admission for him chapter 18 verse 15 and following in the synoptical gospels not one of the disciples is bold enough to venture to the cross but in the fourth john is placed under it and is there established in a new relation to the mother of his dying master a relation of which we elsewhere find no trace. Chapter 19, verse 26 and following. On the appearance of the risen Jesus at the Galilean Sea, Chapter 21, Peter, as the Theroteros, casts himself into the sea. But it is not until after John, as the Diorotic Oteros, has recognized the Lord in the person standing on the shore. In the ensuing conversation peter is indeed honored with the commission feed my sheep but this honor is overshadowed by the dubitative question lovest thou me and while the prospect of martyrdom is held up to him john is promised the distinction of tarrying till jesus came again an advantage which peter is warned not to envy lastly while according to luke chapter 24 verse 12 peter first among the apostles and alone comes to the vacant grave of his risen master the fourth gospel chapter 20 verse 3 gives him a companion in john who outruns peter and arrives first at the grave peter goes into the grave before john it is true but it is the latter in whose honor it is recorded that he saw and believed almost in contradiction to the statement of luke that peter went home wondering in himself at that which was come to pass thus in the fourth gospel john both literally and figuratively outruns peter for the entire impression which the attentive reader must receive from the representation there given of the relative position of peter and john is that the writer wished a comparison to be drawn in favour of the latter but john is moreover especially distinguished in the gospel which bears his name by the constant epithet the beloved disciple the disciple whom jesus loved chapter thirteen verse twenty three chapter nineteen verse twenty six chapter twenty verse two chapter twenty one verses seven and twenty it is true that we have no absolute proof from the contents of the fourth gospel whether intrinsically or comparatively considered that by the above formula or the more indeterminate one the other or another disciple chapter ten verse fifteen and following chapter twenty verses three four and eight which as it appears from chapter twenty verse two and following as its equivalent we are to understand the apostle john for neither is the designation in question anywhere used interchangeably with the name of the apostle nor is there anything narrated in the fourth gospel of the favorite disciple which in the three first is ascribed to john because in chapter twenty one verse two the sons of zebedee are named among the assistants it does not follow that the disciple mentioned in verse seven as the one whom jesus loved must be john james or one of the two other disciples mentioned in verse two might be meant nevertheless It is the immemorial tradition of the church that the disciple whom jesus loved was john nor are all reasons for such a belief extinct even to us for in the greek circle from which the fourth gospel sprang there could scarcely be among the apostles whom it leaves unnamed one so well known as to be recognized under that description unless it were john whose residence at ephesus is hardly to be rejected as a mere fable it may appear more doubtful whether the author intended by this title to designate himself and thus to announce himself as the apostle john the conclusion of the twenty-first chapter verse twenty-four does certainly make the favorite disciple the testifier and writer of the preceding history but we may assume it is granted that this passage is an addition by a strange hand when however in the genuine text of the gospel chapter 19 verse 35 the writer says of the effect produced by the piercing of the side of jesus that he saw bare record no other than the favorite disciple can be intended because he alone among all the disciples the only parties eligible as witnesses in the case is supposed to be present at the cross the probability that the author here speaks of himself is not at all affected by his use of the third person but the preterite annexed to it may well excite a doubt whether an appeal be not here made to the testimony of john as one distinct from the writer this mode of expression however may be explained also in accordance with the other supposition which is supported by the circumstance that the author, in chapter 1, verses 14 and 16, seems to announce himself as the eyewitness of the history he narrates. Was that author, then, really the Apostle John, as he apparently wishes us to surmise? This is another question on which we can only pronounce when we shall have completed our investigation we will merely allude to the difficulty of supposing that the apostle john could give so unhistorical a sketch of the baptist as that in the fourth gospel but we ask is it at all probable that the real john would so unbecomingly neglect the well-founded claims of his brother james to a special notice and is not such an omission rather indicative of a late hellenistic author who scarcely had heard the name of the brother so early martyred the designation the disciple whom jesus loved which in chapter twenty one verse twenty has the prolix addition who also leaned on his breast at supper and said lord which is he that betrayeth thee is not to be considered as an offence against modesty it is certainly far too labored and embellished for one who without any ulterior view wishes to indicate himself for such an one would at least sometimes have simply employed his name but a venerator of john issuing perhaps from one of his schools might very naturally be induced to designate the revered apostle under whose name he wished to write in this half honourable half mysterious manner end of section 74